Good morning, and welcome back to Driving Theology. Uh, it is, I believe, September 19th, 2018, and this is something like my 103rd podcast recording. Or second one or third. Well, plus a couple others are probably around 105, 106 total. There's been a few I haven't posted probably just because the content was boring, irrelevant, convoluted, uh, or whatever. But yeah, it's been almost three years, over a hundred hundred entries and I'm surprised at myself for being this committed this long. It's not a normal thing for me. Um, and so obviously I'm finding that this is not terribly inconvenient to do and that I'm getting uh, I'm getting something out of this and I still hope that maybe someday it'll grow a bit. I suppose for that to happen, I would need to get more organized, uh, probably have more guests, things like that. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm happy not to mess up what I have going. Because, you know, if I start <clears throat> trying to second guess myself and, and uh, try to uh, do more, add more, be more, uh, I might just lose whatever little life is actually in this thing that's kept me going for the nearly three years. So uh, for now, I'll probably just keep things the way it is and we'll see how it goes. Um, hopefully the content will get better. I, I have felt like uh, I've been in a bit of a dry season lately. Um, so yeah, we'll just see, see how things go. See how things go. Uh, get some uh, a message from Daniel Wheat who is a uh, guy that used to live in Japan who is now back in the States uh, he's a youth minister now we had really great discussions on a on a Facebook post by a guy that I follow named uh, Jacob Wright who I've probably talked about before who is a I think a pretty amazing theological mind um Daniel Wheat uh, commented, and that led to some other discussions, and so he and I have been kind of uh, talking back and forth the last week or two about some cool stuff. He started listening to the podcast, and uh, I'm sure you was making that noise. So much junk in my car right now. Uh, Yeah, so he listened to some of the podcasts and had some uh, comments, um, positive, but uh, comments on the the idea that I talked to a couple weeks ago um, about um, 
perhaps studying and following up the idea that Christ uh, has been able to insert himself in other religious texts other than the uh, Judeo-Christian scriptures uh, and that how uh, knowledge of Jesus might bring life to those texts as well, more life. Um, that's something I still want to still want to explore, but I'm going to need to sit down and put some energy into the idea of Jesus is our reading light, our reading lamp. And it's not just reading, like, you know, words that are written down, uh, 
reading, I think, can also be uh, understanding, right? And not just books, but uh, why the universe is the way it is, why people are the way they are, why animals uh, do this or that or have this behavior or that behavior. Um, we might we might begin to see the evidence of the Creator Christ in the entire universe using Him as the light by which we reveal um, those truths. Uh, and this, you know, this comes from a lot of things. Um, there is a Judeo-Christian biased by Judeo-Christians uh, for the Judeo-Christian texts, right? There's a bias. And there's a prejudice of other texts, other religious texts. And why this is, I'm not sure. Um, because none of, none of the people who have those prejudices would deny the fact that Jesus created all men everywhere. Nor would they deny that many millions of people have never had access to Christ or his scriptures, so-called Judeo-Christian scriptures. And even if they had access, they're not necessarily literate. They couldn't necessarily read, right? There are a lot of things from geography uh, to time, right? People who lived before Christ, for example. Uh, geography to time to language um, to culture gender, I suppose, there are all kinds of barriers that may have kept people from being introduced to a true manifestation of Christ, right? Christ truly manifested, or uh, Christ in his entirety, or in all his glory. Uh, there are just too many barriers. And so what you would have to think uh, then is that God is quite happy to destroy uh, those who were uh, unfairly blocked from accessing his son, Jesus. Uh, that that's not a problem for him, that he doesn't worry about that. Or uh, that he wasn't concerned about how the kingdom of God brought to those people as well would have improved their lives, right? That he wasn't concerned about them at all. Uh, or perhaps that we haven't looked deep, deeply enough. We haven't found evidence uh, in their text that, that Jesus was also working with them as well. Right? Uh, and if he wasn't, why wouldn't he? You know, why why wouldn't Jesus, knowing that the world was separated by oceans and and uh, you know all these other barriers, uh, why wouldn't Jesus reveal himself to other people as well? That perhaps looks a bit different because of their culture, language, etc., um, etc., et geography. Um, and so let's say what if 
and actually I'm, I'm beginning to believe this is true what if a manifest a manifestation of Jesus whether it's in the mind or you know angelic or I don't know what if he was the impetus behind Buddhism for example Buddhism is a pacifist in its purest form pacifist uh, almost atheistic religion but it's very peaceful right it has a lot to do with uh, self-denial and self-sacrifice uh, which we would consider uh, good Christian virtues right uh, and so yeah a lot of uh, there's a lot of good stuff in Buddhism in other words um, so what why not why not consider at least the possibility that Jesus was also present in some way, shape, or form with the Buddha informing his uh, radical, nonviolent ideals uh, even before Jesus came on the earth as a, as a man, even before he was incarnate. Why not consider the possibility? Uh, you know, we know that a lot of the people that gave us the scriptures that we revere so highly were not perfect people, right? Um, David, who wrote so many of the Psalms, was a... It's uh, the best word to say it. He was somewhat of a warmonger. Uh, he was paranoid toward, toward the end of his life. Uh, he murdered uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. He committed adultery. Um, yeah, sure, he, he did some good things, right, like everybody else. But I'm not sure that if you were to hold his life up to the Buddha's, that the Buddha's life might be a little bit more Christ-like than David's. <laughs> are you are you willing to consider that fact, you know, or that that possibility? Are you willing to even consider it? Um, now remember, I'm not I'm not claiming that Jesus is not the way. I'm not I'm not denying that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Right? That nobody comes to the Father but through Jesus. Sorry, I need to sip my very full coffee mug. It's kind of spilling. I'm not suggesting that Jesus is not the all-in-all, all, as Paul says in Colossians. Uh, that he's not the, the resurrection life. That he's not the creator, uh, as John talks about in the first part of John. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, the way Daniel Wheat... Uh, the way we talked about it was <clears throat> he said he doesn't believe that all roads lead to Christ oh, I can't remember exactly how he said it now I think maybe he said is it possible that all roads do lead to Christ and I would have to say yes all roads probably do lead to Christ uh, but not all roads lead to eternal 
life or even kingdom life, right? But I think eventually it's pretty undisputable in the scriptures uh, that says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that all roads are going to lead to Christ. No, no matter what you think happens at judgment, uh, all those roads will lead people to Christ eventually, right? Now, what that means, everybody bends the knee, that's submission, that's worship, actually. Uh, if you boil down the meaning of worship, it's bending the knee, it's, it's submitting, it's prostrating. Uh, Prostrating oneself before uh, someone, right? Every knee will bow and then confess. Confession is if you if you say Jesus is Lord, that's evangelization, right? You are you are publicly confessing that Jesus is Lord. Uh, then if everybody does that every knee will bow and every tongue confess, then what does, that mean? what does that mean about judgment? What does that mean about who who will be with Christ in the end and who will not? It kind of sounds like everybody will be. Um, but that's perhaps another story. We'll see how it ties back in. So, <clears throat> anyway, um, back to his statement you know some some very liberal theologians might might say that all roads lead to Christ right and I think that the more conservative of us would say that no all roads all roads don't lead to Christ right and my up up till recently my stance has been no all roads don't lead to Christ but Christ will meet us on any road. <laughs> In other words, Christ's road will intersect with whatever road we, we are on in order to bring us to his road. Uh, and and I, I believe that. But if you think about it, it's semantics, right? Isn't whatever road Christ is on Christ's road? You know, like, if his path on his perfect road leads to my imperfect road, then doesn't my imperfect road become his road, in a sense, right? So it, it's, it's, it's sort of splitting hairs to say that all roads don't lead to Christ, yet Christ will take any road to find us, right? That he, he, pursues us uh, what's the word I'm looking for relentlessly right he is a relentless pursuer of us of his children <clears throat> and that's what I would expect expect any father to be right I would, I would expect that of any father to be a relentless supporter and help of his own children right I want to be that kind Um, so yeah, I, again, I think it's 
splitting hairs. So I, I think right now I can fairly confidently say that all roads will lead to Christ in this life or the next. Maybe not in this life. Um, but I will also assert that Jesus, Jesus' road goes places that we have no idea. Right? It, it has gone places that we would assume it shouldn't or wouldn't. Right? And that kind of goes back to Jonah, right? We, we have these ideas of people who are unsavable. Who, who in our mind would be undeserving of salvation. But uh, I don't think Jesus has any such qualms about anyone. <clears throat> I think he is willing and, and wants to save everyone. Um, and so, just like Jonah and Nineveh, who did not want to take uh, the message of repentance to the Ninevites because he deemed them unworthy of salvation. And he, he said in the end, he said he knew that God was merciful and that he would, that he would save the Ninevites. And that's why he didn't want to go. That's why Jonah tried to get out of his his uh, mission to the Ninevites because he hated them. He wanted them to be destroyed. And sure enough, the Ninevites repented when Jonah finally went there and then Jonah was mad. <clears throat> and God did not destroy them. Right? Now, there's a lot to this story that I think you know we should look at it. I'm not so sure, first of all, that this ever happened. I'm not positive that that uh, the story of Jonah isn't similar to the story of Job, and that I think they might be uh, moralistic poems uh, designed to <clears throat> to uh, yeah give us some kind of truth or whatever. Although Jonah seems to be written in a much very different style than Job. Job is very much reads like an epic poem, Gilgamesh or whatever. Um, and Jonah seems to not. Anyway, so, you know, a lot of teenagers, uh, this guy, uh, Dan, Daniel Wheat, is a youth minister in the States, he said a lot of teenagers ask these kinds of questions. My friend died, or my friend committed suicide. Are they going to be in heaven? You know what's what's going on with that? And the the traditional Christian has to at least believe in their heart. Well, no, they're going to hell. They committed suicide. That's an unforgivable sin. Or, or you know, whatever you do with the last breath of your life determines your uh, your salvation. Which is sorry to say, just dumb as a bag of hammers. The problem is a lot of youth ministers don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to get in there theologically and really, really try to figure out the character of God as revealed in the person of Jesus and say, you know, I, I have a lot of hope for your friend. I have, I have all the hope in the world because Jesus is a Jesus of the brokenhearted. He's a, he's a Jesus of, of the criminals. Uh, he he's a, he's he is the savior of, of the sick and the downtrodden and the outcast. 
Uh, and because Jesus is the God whom I worship, I have all the hope in the world for your friends. Um, and I don't think you should worry about it. And I think the person of Jesus, again, we come back to being the light of the world, is, is the one who shines a light on those, on that question, right? The person of Jesus makes sense of all the suffering in the world. The person of Jesus accounts uh, for all the injustice, uh, for all the addiction. The person of Jesus uh, on the cross uh, is the very picture of the all-forgiving God. Why isn't our hope in him? Why would we not be hopeful that he would save everyone? That he would give everyone every opportunity and take eternity to deliver that opportunity to them. Hoping all the while that they would accept him. Right? So we come to the idea of free will, the idea of accepting Christ's free gift of grace, right? And I think the, the idea of, of us having a choice to accept or deny Christ is tied up in the idea that love is real. Uh, because without choice, uh, there is no love, right? So if I am just programmed by my Creator to love God and to have no choice in the matter, then that love is not true love, it's just programming. However, if I have the choice uh, to accept or reject God, no matter how uh, he's portrayed to me, uh, then, then my love can be real when I do accept him, right? That love can be real, it can have real foundation. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm a, a big believer in freedom of choice, that people are going to have the freedom to reject Christ, and that some exercise that, at least on this earth. Uh, but I also believe in a, an all-merciful uh, God, as found on the cross in Jesus, that, that he will go to all lengths and leave no stone unturned uh, to bring every person, every person to himself. I, I believe that with all my heart. And I think for some people, God's love will come across as kind of torturous um, because they have been uh, lied to about who God is that, that they would feel so bad about the shame of their own sin that they would reject Jesus for a time and that that could be a torturous tortuous uh, process whether that happens in this life or the next uh, and that some of the ideas of hell may have come from that uh, that even love unaccepted can look like something quite different can look like judgment because of uh, the depravity of our own minds but I think Jesus just won't give up I just don't think he'll ever give up. Um, and I think he will continue 
shining his light and shining his light until people recognize his light as the only light worth worth having in the universe. Uh, that he will pursue us um, to the ends of the earth and beyond. Right? Uh, reconciliation is what he is. It's part of his character. Right? Well, relationship is part of his character, and because relationship was taken away from him, reconciliation, uh, in other words, fixing relationships, uh, is is how that has played out in this imperfect, uh, sin-tainted world, right? And so, yeah, I... I am a hopeful universalist. I hope that everyone eventually will accept Jesus. And I, I think, I think uh, prophecy and the scriptures kind of bear that out. Uh, but I think any any truths you find in other religions, any any time, even in the Quran, right? I know it's it's sort of not uh, popular to talk about any truth being found in the Islamic texts. Uh, but I don't think Muhammad looks much different in a lot of ways from, say, a David or other so-called heroes in the Old Testament. And so I think even, even uh, Jesus can insert him into, uh, into that life and into, into those texts. And that Jesus properly understood may bring life to all kinds of things that we never even dreamed possible. <clears throat> and I think we should be open to it. So, I don't know that I'm going to be the person to do all the research, but I'm going to try uh, to begin pulling some people and resources together in an attempt to at least start uh, discussing this uh, and, and hopefully I'll do that this fall I'd love to get that going so if any of you guys want to be a part of that uh, just leave me a comment and I'll try to as I try to figure out how to you know create either a chat room or um, some kind of a website or even a Facebook page probably be the easiest way to do it uh, then I will send you guys a link and we can start the discussions and hopefully some reading in different uh, religious texts. Um, <clears throat> and I'm getting close to my destination, so I'm going to have to sign off here pretty quick. Um, I don't know what the title of this one will be. Uh, it's kind of rehashing some of the old ideas that I talked about before. Uh, and I kind of went to some un... un uh, unexpected places with it, I think. But that's, that's what we do. That's how driving theology do. So, uh, yeah, anyway, there are other things that are on my heart. I'm just going to mention them quickly. My daughter is off to, uh, Hawaii as of yesterday to, uh, start her new life there, at least, uh, for the time being and hopefully find a job and we're waiting for some documentation to come through so she can uh, start applying for jobs and things like that. Uh, 
Also very concerned about the, uh, of course, always the political situation uh, in the world, but specifically as it as pertains to America and my family. And uh, there was a recent shooting less than two weeks ago of uh, Botham Jean, I think is the way you pronounce his name. I'm not even sure, but a uh, graduate of Harding University, which is affiliated with Churches of Christ, which I grew up in. So a lot of my Facebook friends uh, are uh, associated with that tradition. But he was a black man who was shot in his own apartment by a white woman police officer who had no reason to be there. In fact, she said she thought she was in her own apartment, but she shot him. And then there's just a lot of mess coming up with it. And apparently uh, police found some marijuana in this guy's apartment and... It seems like it was planted and it seems like police just doing what police have been doing for the last many years uh, and it's a pretty horrible situation but the good thing is I think it's bringing people that would have considered themselves all lives matter type of proponents uh, into the black lives matter uh, camp and I, uh, man that's just a great thing uh, I think I think siding with the oppressed is is Jesus in us and whatever it takes to get us there uh, I think he will be pleased so we need to always side with the oppressed people and uh, yeah so quite concerned about that and and really all uh, unarmed innocent people who've been shot by the police in the, in the last many years uh, is of a big concern um, I don't know, maybe we'll be able to do a podcast on that uh, soon. We'll see. Um, just horrible, horrible stuff. And, yeah, so I'm going to leave it right there. Great talking to you guys. Have a great day. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Japan. Autumn is starting to kick in just a bit. No leaf, leaf color changes yet, but some of the, the uh, cherry blossom leaves are gone. They they leave early. Uh, they don't really have any good color. Um, just a beautiful, coolish day here in September. Love it. You guys, uh, take care. Bye-bye.